There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com. It's time for a healthy dose of According to the Castles, the show where we talk about marriage, family, faith, health, nutrition, fitness, and so much more. And now, please welcome your hosts, Amy and Trey Castles. Hey, everyone. It's Amy Castles. Trey Castles. I'm so glad Trey's back. I didn't go anywhere. Yeah, you did. I was gone a week. The last podcast that we had- Did you miss me that much? The last podcast that we had, we had Avery on, and she was so cute. Oh, that's right. But I went back and listened to that episode, and I can tell that I'm awkward in it. Like, I feel awkward because she wasn't really commenting back like you so do. So you feel more comfortable with me? I do. Well, this is the according to the castles. Oh, yeah. Well, Avery's yeah. part of the castles. She's part of the family. It is, but it was really cute. I mean, she's 15 years old now, so she's, no. you know, she's got to learn how to have her mic voice and be on air. In fact, I found out later on that the whole reason that she was laughing in the beginning at me is because she said that my voice changed because of the mic. Oh, you got the radio voice on? She said I had the radio voice. And I was like, mm. I, what? I was myself. She goes, I know you were yourself, but it was just different. I can't describe it. Well, Avery also laughs when she's uncomfortable. It's hilarious. Like I'll literally be like disciplining her and <laughs> not yelling and screaming at her, but talking very firmly. And she's laughing in my face. I'm like, what are you doing laughing in my face? You know what I mean? Well, I have to say, the other day you asked me a question, and I did not want to give you the answer. I just 
started laughing and it was a very serious topic <laughs> if you remember but it was a very serious topic and I just started laughing and I was like I'm I'm not it's not funny it's really not funny I just I can't I can't so when I get throttled up everybody just laughs that's and cool. we just laugh Appreciate yeah it. it's pretty I fun. feel I feel authoritative <laughs> why are you talking to John because he's you another said, man in the room laughing at me laughing at you oh, okay <laughs> laughing at me but laughing at you but yeah. Okay. I'm going to slap you. Well, so today we have Mike Rouse on, and I'm so excited to have him on. He's and awesome at first, dude. I have to tell you really quick, though, before we call him, we're about to call him here in a few minutes. Today, I got to volunteer for my first time at a food pantry. And they let you in? They did. They let me in. And I have to say, that was a really cool operation. And I can totally see us bringing the kids up there okay. to do that kind of work. This is my thought. I was sitting there organizing food, and my thought was, we hear about all these people who go to the food pantries. We hear about people who need financial assistance or whatever kind of assistance, but we don't really see their faces. So we got real today. It did. I got to see their faces. I got to look into their eyes. I got to look into the little kids that were with their parents shopping for some of the food. And it definitely touched me. And I think it's important to get out there and do something to volunteer. Agree. Just find... And you were there for how long? I mean, I was there one until almost three o'clock. It really wasn't that long. Two-hour block. Yes. And here's the thing. It's not my project. It's, you know, nothing that I'm doing for a living. So it's like all pressure was off. I literally just went in there and did. You just went and served. And did the work. And I didn't have to think about anything else. Just tell me what to do. And I was like, you know, move this milk over here. Okay. It was just very you you weren't in control. Somebody else was. That has nothing to do... (laughs) Has nothing to do with control. I was, I, it was the wrong verbiage. It has to do with the fact that it was nice and refreshing. I agree. To not have any pressure to do something significant. I, well, it was significant. Okay. Was. You know what? You're really rude right now. I think Mike's calling. No, Mike is not calling oh, yet. Should we call him? <laughs> Let's call Mike. All right. We're going to call Mike here. Hello. This is Amy Castle speaking. Hey, Mike. How are you? I'm good. So, Mike, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you on here. Everyone, we have Mike Rouse, and he is the ultra marathon runner, also known as the ultra man marathon runner, as well as Pops. (laughs) Billy Badass. So, Pops, you want to tell us real quick how many marathons you've done? Well, just a quick rundown, 261 marathons. I'm planning, I turned 70 in October, so I'm planning to do my last one, number 262 of 26.2, right? Kind of makes a, kind of has a ring to it. I plan on doing that in December at the Dallas White Rock Marathon. It's not called White Rock anymore. But anyway, that was my first marathon 35 years ago. So 35 years later, I'm going to do my last one there as well. So 261 marathons. I've done 150-kilometer races, which is 31 miles. I've done about 80, 50 to 99 miles races and then i've done i think it's 41 either 100 mile or 24 hour run wow to me they're kind of synonymous because typically if you're running 24 hours it takes or excuse me 100 miles it takes about 24 hours i've done some a lot faster but i kind of put it in the same category it's just so hard to fathom all day when you lay it out like that it's kind of crazy when you think about it Hundred forty thousand miles of running 
as of two months ago. Some people don't even fly that much, much less run. Right. I mean, if you have a car with 140,000 miles on it, you're getting rid of the damn thing. No, I trade it in. <laughs> <laughs> if you can. <laughs> Can't do it yeah, now. So I have, I wouldn't say I've used this body up, but I've given it everything it needs, everything it can handle. So did you say you're doing your last marathon this year in December? Well, when I say that, what I mean is I may, you know, if somebody says, hey, would you pace me in a marathon? I might go out and do it. But I'm talking about a legitimate where I go out to run a marathon. Got it. Know? I'm always ready to run a marathon. I can run a marathon. I mean, I ran 31 miles a day for 31 days. I can darn sure run a marathon, you know, anytime I want. But, but I mean, as far as just kind of keeping count, 262 times 26.2 just kind of has a ring to it. So I'm going to leave it at that. Love it, man. I like it. Yeah. Now, and Mike- then I'm, I'm also going to do my last birthday run this October. I've been running my age since I was 34 years old in miles. And I've decided 70 is plenty. So I turned 70. So on October 3rd, I'm going to be running 70 miles. So that will be my last birthday run. Where are you going to do that at in October? Kona, Hawaii. Wow. Uh, I do it every year there during the Ironman. My, my birthday just happens to fall the week of Ironman World Championships. And I've been going over there for about 25 years to, you know, either work or just participate or be at the Ironman. And it's kind of cool because there's a five mile stretch of road called Alihi Drive. I, I've run five miles out and five miles back. It's easy to gauge where I'm at without having to think about it. And I do it on the Monday before the Ironman, not necessarily exactly on my birthday, but that week and all the pros and world class athletes are there. And I have, I have anywhere from five to 15, 20 of the pros that are racing on Saturday run with me on that Monday. A portion on it, you know, five or 10 miles. Now, you've been a consultant for many companies, right? Tell me about that for a moment. Well, I started working in the running business back in the late 80s. Started as a greeter in a running store and kind of worked my way up to be store manager and then did that for a few years and then got on the wholesale side because my one goal, once I kind of got into the running business, the running industry and fell in love with it, my long-term goal was to someday own my own running store. And I thought in order to do that, I need to not just know what the wholesale or the retail side looks like, but how the companies work, you know, so I could kind of have a feel for both sides of the ball. And so I got a job with Brooks Sports back in the mid 90s as a rep and did that for a few years. And then Mizuno hired me, met me out to San Diego in 1998. And I was out there for about almost 18 years and worked for Mizuno for 10 and then Zoot Sports. Triathlon Company head of running shoe, K Swift got into the running business, and then On, which is the new kind of the new kid on the block. They're very popular from Switzerland. They hired me as their first employee back in 2011 wow. when they were coming to the U.S. So I've been kind of a pioneer, to be honest. And now I'm working with Carhu, which is a Finnish company. So I've worked for two American companies, a Finnish company, a Swiss company, and a Japanese company selling running shoes. I've worked on all facets of the business and I had my own running store. That is amazing. And how did you get into running in the first place? Kind of interesting story. I've always kind of thought of myself as an athlete. I started playing little league baseball when I was a young child and then started playing golf when I was 10. And that became my sport. And I played competitive golf for about 12 or 13 years. Yeah. Middle school, high school, college, and tried to turn pro after college, but didn't really do anything with it. Wasn't any money there for me. <laughs> and so I decided I had to get a real job. So I got in a construction business with my dad. He was a custom home builder in Abilene, Texas. 
And I got into business with him. And make a very long story short, kind of got off track after a divorce in 1982 and got involved in drugs and alcohol and flying all over the country, playing in golf tournaments, amateur golf tournaments, Pebble Beach, Miami and Doral, up at Broadmoor in Colorado, Horseshoe Bay, you name it. I toured the country. My best friend had seven Learjets and we would follow the country playing in golf tournaments and got involved with drugs and alcohol very, very heavily and was on city council there in Abilene and ended up getting arrested and charged with cocaine possession and going to prison for 14 months on a five-year sentence. Wow. And realized that that's not how I wanted to live my life. You know, I grew up certainly not in that kind of a lifestyle. Again, upper middle-class family, country club, church, politics. I was involved in a little bit of everything. But going to prison kind of turned my head around and went out on the prison yard after about the first week during my hour out. Said, you know, I got to do something to get my life back together and get healthy again. And so I started running around the prison yard. So my first mile of my life was around the inside of the Arreno prison penitentiary. And I kind of fell in love with it because it was just a time of peace and solitude. And I could kind of get my thoughts together and think about, you know, nothing and think about everything at the same time. And I just really fell in love with it and got out and got a job in the running business, left Abilene and went to Dallas. And here I am 30, 35 years later, still running. That is such a beautiful story. I love how you were in a situation where you needed to find something positive that you could do to change your mindset and to help you through that situation. I have a family member that is incarcerated right now, and there's a lot of emotions that happen, and there's a lot of ups and downs, and I've told him anything that you could do to focus on something that will better yourself and your body. And, you know, a lot of people are not physically imprisoned, but they're imprisoned in their mind, or maybe they're imprisoned in their home situation. And running is such an amazing sport to pick up on. It really is a a active meditation. You've come up with an incredible run that you do each year. And I want you to talk about that a little bit and how you decided to implement the 313131. Can you tell us what that, what it is and how it came about? Sure, and I'll start off with just a kind of a brief history of that. As I said, when I went to the penitentiary and started running, it really became a passion, a life-changing experience for me in many ways. And so I, I wanted to continue to do that and to use that as a career, be around that positive mindset of people. If you've ever gone to a 5K, 10K marathon, mm-hmm. you know, everybody's excited at the starting line. You know, yeah. They're fired up. They might be a little bit nervous about what, how fast they're going to run or whatever, but but it's a, it's a very positive environment. And so I love that. I love positivity. And so running just became kind of this lifestyle of mine. And so as I said earlier, in 1998, I moved out to San Diego. Mizuno had hired me as a Western Regional Sales Manager. And I, they moved me out there and got involved in the running world out there, running group. And I had a Saturday morning training group that I met with every Saturday morning. And it was the elite of the elite. And San Diego is a running community. I mean, it's the weather's perfect, 72 and sunny every day. Oh, not the, jealous. The beauty, the beauty of running along the beach or on the, you know, whatever. There's palm trees everywhere. I mean, it's just a beautiful place to run. And the weather's always very conducive to running. But I had a group. And in my group, I just, again, I was happy to be very fortunate. The top 12 or 15 guys and the top 12 or 15 women in San Diego were all in this training group. All much younger than me. I was kind of the old man of the sea. But. You know, I was fit and I was a good runner. 
And so anyway, but we had this group and, you know, you got a bunch of five foot, 10, six foot tall, 140, 150 pound guys in their late twenties, early thirties, maybe forties like me. And then you had women who were, you know, five, four, five, six, 115, 120 pounds. And so we're out there running every Saturday. Everybody knows everybody. And we're having these hard, hard workouts. One Saturday in 2002, these two big guys, about 6'3", 6'4", 230, 40 pounds, come out there. And they're running around, padded up. And I asked the coach, I said, Kev, who are these two big guys? And he told me there were a couple of Navy SEALs that were training for a marathon and wanted to be a part of the group. They'd heard about the running group. And I thought, eh, Navy SEALs, big deal. <laughs> you know, they're tough when they got a gun in their hand. But, you know, we're runners here. And <laughs> these two guys were clocking along, keeping up with these 140, 150-pound guys. Just I mean, pushing it to the level and pretty impressive, you know, and I thought, you know, they're going to get tired of this and they won't be back. Well, they were there the next week and the next week and the next week. And after about the third or fourth week, the big one, six, four, 230 pounds, tatted up guy named John Tummelson from Rockford, Iowa. JT. Says, hey, can I, JT, my boy JT. says, hey, I'd like to take you to breakfast and talk to you about running. And I said, all right. So we went to breakfast that Saturday morning and. He said, you know, it's a great group, but he said, I've heard that you're the guy that runs all these long distance stuff. I'd like you to train my buddy Bo and I for a marathon. And so we began at that time training, doing long runs together on Sunday morning, workouts on Saturday, long runs on Sunday, and became very, very dear friends. And it wasn't long before he said, you know, can I call you Pops? You're kind of my West Coast daddy, and I can't go home very much because it's so hard to get to Iowa on the weekend. And he said, I'd like for you to just kind of be my West Coast dad. And, of course, I gladly accepted that and got introduced down through the years to so many Navy SEALs, to JT and Bo. And, you know, it just was an unbelievable thing. Well, fast forward to August 6, 2011, I get a phone call on Saturday morning that we lost JT. Yeah, he'd been shot down in a helicopter in Afghanistan. And it was obviously very devastating news. And just, I don't know, it just really threw me for a loop. Here's this young man who's given everything he's got and was just such a fine young man. And I knew that I had to do something to honor his life. And so I decided on the anniversary of that tragedy that I was going to run 24 hours in his honor. And ended up, we became a, a race that we do in San Diego called Jogging for Frogman. And there's a 5K race, and I run 24 hours in advance of that to honor JT. And when COVID hit, I'd come back to Texas back in 2020. I was locked up in my house for, you know, six, seven, eight weeks, watching reruns, sporting events and old movies and kind of got bored with it. And finally, I thought, you know what? I got to get out of this house. I'm out running, but I'm not doing much. So I, I think I'm going to do something to honor the boys of Extortion 17. And so for the 31 days of May, and, and May is Military Appreciation Month here in the U.S. Yep. There's six different military holidays in May. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do something for military appreciation. Like I'm going to run 31 miles a day to honor those 31 guys for 31 straight days. So I did that and did it as a fundraiser, and it, it was incredible. I ran each day in honor of one of those 31 men and would contact their families and tell them about it and thought it was just kind of a one-time shot. And the next year came up, and everybody's asking me about it. And I said, you know what, what the heck, I'll do it again. So last year I did it again, and decided to do it again this year. So I go out on... May 1 and run 31 miles. And then all through the month of May, I run 31 miles each and every day with a shirt in honor of John Tumbleson or Aaron Vaughn or Kevin Houston or Michael Strange, one of the guys that were on that helicopter. 
Wow. So in the entire month of May, you are running 961 miles. That is correct. <laughs> wow. Wow. I love that. A mile month, almost. <laughs> I actually run more, Amy. I actually run more mileage in May than I do in my car, than I drive my car. That's insane. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I believe it. You're running. What do you, you can't drive. You're out running. Well, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm running about six hours a day. When we met you in 2021, you were running in our neighborhood, actually, because the stop came to where you stayed at Morgan Luttrell's house, and we have those long runs in our neighborhood. And we met you because we were riding our bike. Well, we actually went our, on our bike to go find you and go meet you over there. <laughs> and it was easier I, that way. <laughs> it was pretty amazing because I remember at that time, you were actually still working, which I know you're still working, but you ran in the morning and then you flew out to Boston, I believe, and then had some meetings, meetings. and then you had to fly out to San Diego to where you were finishing up there. And it was just wild because if I go fly one day to Salt Lake City, which is only two and a half hour flight, I'm thrown off for a few days and you're flying and traveling and still doing getting, this getting 31, 31, 31, 31. It's insane. Yeah. The second year was tougher than the first. Because the first year, again, COVID was going on. Nothing was happening. No restaurants or anything was open. So I'm literally just sitting at my house. It was a pretty simple thing. I wasn't working. And last year, like you said, I was traveling. I was actually on the road 14 out of those 31 days traveling with business. And I do remember when I was staying at Morgan's, I got up on that Monday morning at 2 o'clock, 2 a.m. and went out and ran the 31 miles. I think I met y'all on Sunday. Yeah, we caught you on the last stretch. Yes. Yeah, but I, I got up at 2 in the morning and flew out and got to Boston, went to a sales meeting, and then the next morning did the same thing. I had to get up at 2 in the morning because I had to go back to the sales meeting again. And then that night I flew in back to Houston and had to get up the next morning at 4 to run before I could come back to Dallas. So it's just been it was a, it's, it was a long, long month. This gives us a lot of motivation to not have any excuses when we want to go out and run because (laughs) holy moly. Now, when you're out running, you actually are raising money. So you're not running just for their honor, but you're also running to raise funds for Boots for Troops, right? Correct. I'm on the National Board of Boot Campaign, which is an organization. Yes, it's a nonprofit charity, 501c3, that was founded in 2009. And I've been fortunate enough to put on the, the board of directors. And so that is my charity for the last three years. So all the money, the proceeds goes directly to boot campaign, ask people to pledge, you know, $31 or $50 or hundred, you know, whatever, whatever. It's more about the effort and the awareness, but I do it as a fundraiser. And basically all my runs are done as fundraisers now. I don't run for medals or anything else. I I run to, you know, bring awareness to, to different causes. But for the last 10 years plus now, because of, you know, what happened with JT, it's been all military causes. How can someone sponsor you or sponsor some miles? Well, the organization, I say it's www.bootcampaign.org. And it's a fabulous organization. One of the things I love about it is, you know, the, our military not only puts their life on the line when they serve, but they also come, you know, those that have been deployed more than once or twice, they come back with a lot of issues mentally. They see things that we can't, comprehend here in the U.S. for the most part on a daily basis. They're constantly in fear of their lives and 
you know, it just takes an emotional stress on them. They're separated from family, from moms, dads, wives, husbands, mm-hmm. children, brothers and sisters. And then they see tragedy that we can't really comprehend. And they come back and a good majority suffer with PTSD or depression or suicidal issues, traumatic brain injury, many, many things that are, that are mental issues for them. And so Boot Campaign is an organization that works with those individuals at no charge. There's no charge for our services. And it's strictly a nonprofit that works to help these men and women get reintegrated back into normal society, work through their depression, their suicidal issues, whatever the cause might be. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's an amazing organization. I'm proud to be a part of it. And my buddy Morgan's on the board and several other retired military are on the board. But then there's a lot of us that are just civilians that have a love for the military. I love it. So now to the part of running, because we're a health and wellness podcast, but we're also all about doing something to serve the community. We actually, just before you got on the call, we were talking about, I volunteered at a food pantry today and I've never done that. And it was really amazing to see the faces and to really get, to get involved and get in. And you're taking two things, your love for running, as well as your love and passion for the military and our veterans and having a purpose behind it. So on the health and wellness side, let's talk about the running. How do you prepare your body for these runs? Because it's a a lot of pounding. Yes, it's a lot of pounding. What tips do you have? Before I get into that, let me just say this. I know for me, because of the loss of my friends and having so many military friends, not just JT, but I've probably lost seven or eight other friends whose lives have been taken in in our war since 2001. Military has become very much a passion for me and and a cause that I believe in and and, and support. But everybody's got something. You know, you've got a, a family member that had cancer or has cancer. You have a friend or a family member who's been abused. Maybe by a spouse, maybe by the parent down in the, you know, in the past. Well, I mean, there's just a million causes. Childhood cancer, leukemia. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Everybody has somebody whose life has been affected in ways that we didn't ask for. You know, it just happened. And so what I encourage people to do is, again, for me, it's military. For you, it might be child abuse or domestic violence or cancer. Whatever it is, find something and give back. One of the things that I regret about my life, and yet I, I'm thankful for it. I regret having gone to prison in 1986. But you know what? I'm thankful for it because it changed my life and made me a better person. Because I went from somebody who was a taker, 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 to somebody that said, you know what? My life's been about all about me. I need to make it about other people. And so I began giving back. And that's my goal in life now is to be a giver, not a taker. And so I just say all that to say, find something. If you're going to use running, use it in a way that gives back to other people as well, not just yourself. And, you know, raise money for that call. But to your question, and I apologize for getting off track for the second. No, that's perfect. Because that you have to find your why and you have to find your purpose. And that is before you do anything, there has to be a why and there has to be a purpose and it has to be greater than ourselves. Otherwise, we'll put ourselves on the back burner, but we will put somebody else in the front and keep on going. Yep. So I guess the way I got prepared for it was I started very slowly, right? Again, I'm a guy who thought he was an athlete and yet because of, years of cocaine and alcohol abuse, 
when I went to prison, I was a shell of a man physically. And so when I went out to run around that yard, I was told that, you know, two and a half laps was a mile, five laps was two miles. And I thought, you know, that's no big deal. Two miles, right? I'm an athlete. I couldn't make one lap without stopping and walking. And I had to just slowly, surely work my way up to it by running as far as I could, stopping and walking, not stopping, but slowing down to a walk. And once I felt I could do it again, I would run, walk, run until I could, I did the five laps. And then over the time of that 14 months, I got to the point where I could do all five laps easily and went up to about six or seven miles. So nice. it's a gradual thing. It's a very gradual thing. You don't just go out and say, well, I'm going to go run a marathon in a month. You don't know. You, you got to build up to it. And so much of running is about the training. It's about getting proper sleep, proper nutrition. You know, I watch what I eat fairly closely. I mean, I do splurge and binge a little bit. But when you run, you know, 80 to 100 miles a week, you're, you're kind of more allowed to do that. It's going to burn it off. Yeah, you can burn it off. You know, the key is to do it to a point that it's enjoyable. You know, you don't want to hit yourself in the head all day long and keep thinking, you know, I'm just going to keep doing this till it feels good. What's well, not going to ever feel good? You know, <laughs> you just kind of build your way into it. And so some people set too lofty a goal. My suggestion is you set goals that are doable and that you can enjoy and that you're okay going out to do. Because if you're dreading it, you're going to find every excuse in the world not to do it. Yep. You know, if, you, if you're dreading that run today at four o'clock in the 104 degree Texas heat, you're going to find a way to get out of doing it. You know? That's what I was going to ask you. When do you start your runs? Well, again, I'm not a good example. I actually haven't run yet today. I had a call this morning and had to do some things afterwards with the company I'm working with as a consultant. So when we hang up, I'm going to go out. It's probably, what, 103, 104? But again, I don't necessarily suggest that for everybody. Minecraft makes it work. But you got 35 years of training, right? 36 years of training. And so, again, you finding the time is kind of like finding the means of how you're going to do it. Find a time that works for you. Everybody's schedule is different. You know, some people have to be at work at six. Some people don't go in till noon. Some have to work till eight at night. Whatever your situation is, you know, find a time that works, but try to be flexible. <laughs> so last week we chatted with you a little bit and, you know, sometimes I think it's healthy to splurge. It's good to splurge and it's fun. So after I think, let's see, I think it actually was Saturday. We went out to dinner and we got some burgers and they have the best tater tots. And I'm like, I'm getting the tater tots. Like I, I can't come to this restaurant and get the tater tots. So I ate the tater tots. And right now I feel like with this heat, it's like everything expands in your body. And so I go home and I put on some of my shorts that are my, they're my gauge. I don't really weigh myself, but man, I know that if I put on these particular shorts and they're tight, it's time to like, you know. Stop eating tater tots. Well, I have two choices. I can either stop eating tater tots or I could eat those tater tots when I want to. And then, you you know, maybe increase my cardio a little bit. Maybe go on a run. So I there said, okay, that's it. I said, I'm not, I, I want these tater tots and I'm going to eat these damn tater tots and I'm going to go run tomorrow. I need to start running. So I started yeah. running and I took your advice last week, starting on Sunday. I said, I'm doing it. I don't care if it's Sunday. I start tomorrow. I'm a start tomorrow person. I don't wait till Monday. I'm start on Monday. Well, if I decide I'm starting <laughs> tomorrow. So I went and ran and I did 26 minutes. Yep. And it was good. I mean, that's it. I'm not trying to get up to mic level, but I'm just, you know, 26 minutes. Today I went for about 25 minutes and it felt it felt good. 
I feel good. Well, again, and see, that's the key. If you just said, you know, I'm going to go run an hour and then you got 26 minutes into it and we're, you know, feeling it, feeling it bad. You're going to quit and say, gosh, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to put myself to that again. Yeah. You know, so you've got to do what works for you. Just like with me and not to brag, but I was fortunate because, I, again, I'm, my situation is so different. I'm in a penitentiary and there's nowhere to go. All right. So I got, I got an hour in the yard, period. End of story. So I was just going to use that hour. And so I ran and walked for almost an hour. I don't even remember now, but to do that first two miles and kept on just doing an hour because that's, that's what the time I had out of myself. But again, it's, it, you find what works for you and stick with it. Okay, so you're going to think this is a little funny, maybe. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. I actually don't run in tennis shoes. I run in kangoo jumps. Have you heard of those I don't even before? I know what that is. Kangoo what? I, <laughs> I was wondering if you're going to tell him that. I run in the bouncing boots. Have you seen those? They're called kangoo jumps. I know what you're talking about. It's kind of it's like a ski boot looking thing. Yes, yes. And has like a like a plastic thing on the bottom of them? Yes. I got those back in 2014 and it is the only way that I can run because it takes off 80% of the impact while I'm running. Wow. Yeah. They were actually originally made for people with knee injuries or who had knee replacements, but I saw them and, and met the company years ago at a fitness competition or at a fitness conference up in Dallas actually. And those are the only way that I can run. Otherwise, I feel like I'm pounding on my body too much. Have you heard anything about those? Not necessarily. I mean, I have, I have seen them. I mean, I've seen people out in them kind of, I guess you'd call it jogging, running, you know. Well, she stands about 6'2 when she wears them. And then she's like bouncing down the road. And it's, it's an interesting sight to see. You definitely have your neighbors and everybody in your community turning around like, what in the Sam hell is she doing? <laughs> Because I look like a Neanderthal. Well, what scares me is that I would fall. I would fall. Honestly, you can't fall. I mean, it's it's there. You you are so stable in them. I mean, people are doing aerobics really? in them, moving left, moving right, forward, back. So moving, you, you're not going to like go down into a burpee or anything like that. Yeah, I've never had them on, so I can't I can't speak to it. It just seems like almost like you're on a what's the word I'm looking for? Those pogo sticks. Pogo sticks. Yep. (laughs) Kind of. It it seems like it's kind of like that. And those things, I I mean, I'm not very coordinated. I can walk and run. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mike, tell us about your recovery food. What is your favorite recovery food? Well, here again, we're going off on a a rabbit hole. But when I'm doing ultras, not in a marathon, marathon, I just stop at water stations and, you know, or slow down and get get a cup of water and drink it or Gatorade or whatever the, you know, hydration products are. But anything that's 40 miles or more, I eat food. And I train that way. I train eating so that I can do it. But my fuel of choice is hot dogs. Because, you know, anytime you go over 40 miles, your stomach starts to build up acid from overuse. And so the bun absorbs acid in the stomach. And the weenie is kind of, you know, meshed up, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it gets right into your system within moments. And so I can eat a hot dog and within literally, uh, when I'm starting to have stomach issues, within five to 10 to 15 minutes, I feel re-nourished and my stomach calms down. All started back in 1996 at the uh, Angels Quest 100 mile race. When I went into an aid station, that's all they had. And I said, heck with it. I got to have something. I'm at mile 16. I'm starving. I hadn't eaten anything. 
and I ate a couple of hot dogs sitting in a lawn chair and felt like a brand new man. <laughs> and passed about 250 people over the last 40 miles. It's like, I'm back, baby. Started swearing by it, and I've been with it ever since. I love it. Well, Mike, yeah. w- the reason I wanted to have you on here today is, A, I wanted to highlight on your cause and, and the work that you do with Boots for Troops, but I also wanted to inspire people to get out and run for a cause bigger than themselves, whatever that may be. And we could bore people with the physiological benefits of running, but we know, everybody knows. Yes, everybody knows if you run, you're going to increase your cardiorespiratory endurance, you're going to burn fat, you're going to have more energy. I know everybody knows those things, but you gave us some really great reasons to run for a cause bigger than ourselves. And last question, what does running do for you on an emotional level and on a spiritual level? It's tough to actually put into words, Amy, to be honest with you. I just know that when I was in that situation in my deepest, darkest hour, it's a time I'd never lost a close relative. My mom and dad were still alive. I'd never had major, major tragedy in my life. I'd always been successful and life was always good. Money, titles, positions, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, I'm in a 10 by 10 cell. It's an hour out on a, yard, on a prison yard every day. And the rest of the time, I'm sitting, sitting there, laying there, looking up at the ceiling. And I was at the deepest, darkest place I'd ever been. And going out on that yard and running, it's not what saved my life. God saved my life. I'm a very spiritual person. And God saved my life. But running gave me something that I'd never had before. It gave me a positivity. And it just kind of let me be free, so to speak, because I'm out there just running free, you know, even though I'm incarcerated in a barbed wire fence, you know, double barbed wire fence, I still felt free when I was out there running. And I said earlier uh, in the call that I've got over 140,000 miles on this body. I don't hours to do, but I've never single on an iPod or on a phone during that 140,000 miles. I don't play music. I usually carry my phone with me just for safety's sake. And in case I get a business call, I can take it as I run. But I don't listen to music because I want to listen to my, my body, listen to myself, think. And, you know, doing a 100-miler, 24-hour run, whatever, 50-miler, you know, you got all kinds of time on your hands, right? When you're not listening to music, it's dead silent. And so I've been able to think about everything, analyze situations, think about what I'm going to do next week, think about what I should have done yesterday. But it just gives me a peace, an inward peace that I can't really explain. You know, I don't have to concentrate on anything. You know, if you're playing football, you're playing tennis, you're playing basketball, you got to focus on the ball, right? You got to focus on the guy you're trying to block or the guy, you know, the pass coming towards you or, you know, where's the basketball, whatever. If you're doing any other sport, you got to concentrate on something. Running, you're just out there free. You know, as long as you don't step in a hole, you just kind of, you're just looking forward. You're looking at the world around you and you're, you're able to just kind of get within yourself. And I love that about my running. I just have a peace when I'm out there and a contentment. And I don't know, it's, 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 it's hard to put into words. You just did. That was amazing. Yeah, you did. <laughs> that was, I mean, Mike just did the mic drop. He did. Mike did Pops the mic dropped drop. the mic right there. <laughs> 
I love it. Thank you so much for coming on here and inspiring us and giving us some good laughs and some education and, and opening your heart. So I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with us today. I'm honored. And can I leave you with this one? If I had a crisp $100 bill, brand new, right off the press, right? And I held it up. How many people are going to say, if I said, you know, do you want this $100 bill? Everybody's going to raise their hand, right? They want that $100 bill. If I took that same $100 bill and wadded it up into my hand, just crinkled it as much as I could, and then said, okay, now who wants it? Everybody's still going to want it, right? Because it still has $100 of value, right? If I took that same crumpled $100 bill and dropped it on the floor and took my dirty shoe and just ground it into the ground as hard as I could, four, five, six, seven, eight times, picked it up, held it up, who still wants this $100 bill? Everybody still wants it. Why is that? Because it still has its value. It's not brand new. It's crinkled. It's dirty. But it still has $100 worth of value. We all have that same value within us. We think because we've made mistakes. We've screwed up. We've been stepped on, fed at, yelled at, whatever. We've lost our value. But we really haven't. We're still the same person. So I just encourage folks, look, think of the positive of your personal values. We have a campaign, boot campaign, or mission we have now that's called You Matter. Because everybody does matter. And so, you know, just keep that in the back of everybody's mind. You matter. You're a person of value. God created you for good. So go out there and do it. Powerful. And you're making me cry. Yes, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Mike. We're going to be in touch. My pleasure. And I may be calling you for some some runny tips here. It's an honor, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for all you do. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, guys. Great talking with you. you Take care. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to another episode of According to the Castles with Amy and Trey. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. To stay up to date with the castles, follow Amy on Instagram at acastles. Until next time, have faith, enjoy life, and love abundantly. There are so many supplements out there. How do you choose? If there was just one supplement that Trey and I would recommend, it's definitely Ningxia Red. We have consistently drank Ningxia every day since May of 2015. It's a whole body health and wellness supplement that's a powerhouse full of antioxidants and nutrition. Ningxia Red is made with pureed wolfberries, also known as goji berries, along with blueberry, plum, cherry, aronia, and pomegranate juices. These are very high in antioxidants that boost immunity and protect your body against oxidative stress. It also has food-grade essential oils like orange and lemon, yuzu, and tangerine. These provide an incredible dose of D-limonene. Trust me, Google that. This is just a two-ounce shot of liquid gold, and it supports your body for better energy and healthy cellular function. Why is that? Well, that's because you're getting antioxidants equivalent to eating like eight pounds of carrots and 16 whole oranges. Trust me, your liver and your eyes will thank you. If you'd like more information, visit my website, www.amycastles.com. What was the first thing that your mom would ask you before you'd go to bed at night? Did you brush your teeth? I don't know about you, but my mom always asked that. Since I was a kid, healthy gums and teeth have always been important to me. 
But after a lot of research, I figured out that there's actually a lot of junk in the commercial toothpaste. Everything from SLS to artificial flavors and colors, sweeteners even. And I didn't like the way that they didn't actually get my teeth super clean. I felt like they weren't really actually supporting good overall oral health. Well, I'm so excited to tell you about a product that I created in 2016. Sparkle Dust is a non-toxic, chemical-free tooth cleansing powder that instantly brightens and strengthens and remineralizes your teeth and your gums. It will leave your teeth feeling like never before. They will feel cleaner, smoother, and brighter. You will feel like you just left the dentist. I love that feeling. Sparkle Dust is made from nine different organic earth-sourced ingredients, including minerals and clays. It's a natural solution proven to get you the smile that you've always dreamed of. Learn more about Sparkle Dust by visiting my website at www.mysparkledust.com.